Welcome back, guys, to another episode of High Burst. Of course, we're here again giving you the best Hornets news and our takes about it. Of course, I'm your host, Jerry D, with my wonderful brother, Big Pat. I'll add him real quick. What's going on, everybody? It's Pat back on. About to have a little fun for this for this uh, short time that we're together. Pat back on for another quick hit of Hornets news and Hornets takes. So we're going to jump right into it, guys. You know how we do it. So first question that of order of business right now. What are the Hornets missing for them to really start making a run? Because they have been struggling. They just gave up a 50-piece to Kyrie Irving on 19 shots in a blowout loss to the Nets. Then they got killed by the Boston Celtics, and Jason Tatum dropped 44 points after dropping 54 points in his last game before that. So what do they need to do to get back on track? What are they missing right now to really, you know, get back in this real postseason hunt? Okay, I think one of their um, biggest areas of concern would be the uh, center position. Um, yeah, they did, you know, while acquiring Montrezl Harrell was, you know, it was definitely a good move. I like that move. He's a good player. Um, I feel like they didn't address the, the, you know, having a true center in terms of like rebounding at a high clip, defending at a, at, you know, at a very efficient rate, you know, being able to rim protect. Um, Montrez, you know, he's an undersized center, so that hurts them in the post. Nobody's really scared to go in the paint against them, as you can see, especially during this, uh, you know, these amount, the amount of games that they have lost recently. Yeah. So, you know, that's definitely an area of concern for them. Yeah. Uh, just to highlight, too, for everybody, Montrez Harrow is a six foot seven power four. Right. <laughs> he is the same height or maybe an inch taller than when Miles Bridges is. And he's actually shorter than PJ Washington. <laughs> so that's saying a lot. But for me, I'm going to go Gordon Hayward because this team has struggled mightily to just score the basketball at an efficient clip without their calming presence on like that side of the ball. And even defensively too, because Hayward actually, you know, he's a real smart player. He's been an all-star before he's been in the league for five to 10 plus years now. So he looks comfortable. He knows what he's doing out there and he knows how to win games despite before the injury, obviously in Utah, he did all that, all the good stuff he did in Utah going to Boston. Even when he did get hurt, his his presence was still felt on the bench. You know, having a veteran there is still important for everybody to actually feed off of and just like the vibe that's going on. Like, yeah, we're winning games because our leader is really calming us down. Even if he's not considered the best player on the team anymore, he's still probably the most important, the X factor guy mm-hmm. for him. But another thing that I that I think that you, we need to touch on that you addressed with the rim protection and the rebounding. They obviously it's way past the trade deadline. They can't get anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, the buyout market's pretty much done with the last kind of serviceable big that serviceable big serviceable big. I'm sorry that they could have got might have been DeAndre Jordan who ended up signing with Philadelphia. Yep, yep. So yep. now at this point, you have to be a gang rebound team. You have to crash the glass because they have they have all the athletes they need. PJ Washington is no scrub. Miles Bridges is uber athletic. LaMelo Ball six seven himself. Mm-hmm. Terry Rozier gets up for bigger rebounds than pretty much almost all those guys because he probably has the most heart. So it needs to be a gang type of thing. When you see smaller teams, think about Golden State in their championship runs. When they played small ball, again, Draymond Green is six seven playing center. Mm-hmm. And he's crashing the glass. Klay Thompson's coming in. Steph Curry's coming in. All those guys aren't dominant rebounders by no stretch of the means. But one person box out while the other two try to go get the rebound, preventing the opposing opposition to get to the rock. Mm-hmm. So 
I'm we're definitely in agreement. I think the rim protection is huge, and Gordon Hayward might be even bigger for him right now. Yes, sir. Next order of business is the relationship with Lamelo and James Rago going downhill. Because what I've been seeing on Twitter, I've been seeing a lot of a lot of slander for James Rago's on a hot seat. Uh, he's the reason why the team, you know, started off so good, and now they're starting to slide because Lamelo's only been playing a handful of minutes here and there, like most all-stars, especially being 20 years old, you're probably expecting that kid to play 38 plus minutes or like, you know, maybe 40, depending on what the team needs that night, especially in this type of situation where they're fighting for a playoff spot pretty much for the rest of the season for the 16, 17 games that's left or however many, but LaMelo's only been playing 25 to 30 minutes because of the turnover issues. Sometimes, you know, the deep balls look nice when they go in. When you miss or you air ball, you give the team an opportunity to react, read and react and go and transition and kick mm-hmm. it, push it, push it. So what? how do you feel about that? Like all the Twitter beef, all the things I see on social media in general, how do you feel about their relationship going forward? Okay, well, obviously, you know, we're not in the locker room, things of that nature. But um, what I'm seeing Coach Borrego um, bench LaMelo for, honestly, is justified. Um, you know, you make you start to make one or two bonehead plays, it stacks up. And then next thing you know, you're up 15. The lead dwindles down to three and now you give up the lead. So, you know, things like that accumulate. So he has to nip that in the bud, especially as a young player. He's trying to teach him how to be a more measured player. So you can't really knock, uh, you know, the coach for doing that. Um, you know, hopefully it's not true in terms of like there's strife between the two of them. Um, in the locker room and things of that nature, because, you know, I, I really think it's just the coach trying to, uh, you know, trying to f- uh, form good habits for the young guy. Right. So, you know, this is stuff he's going to take with him for, you know, the rest of his career. If, you know, it, especially if, you know, they have to, but they, I feel like they have to let him work through this. I don't feel like you should side with anybody. Just let him work through it and, you know, go from there. But, you know, I don't have a problem with what, you know, what coach Borrego is doing, honestly. Exactly. And like, uh, Obviously, being a reporter and doing the press conferences after the games, Coach Varegos asked stuff like that, like, why isn't LaMelo playing down the stretch? Or how come, how come you know, we're playing Cody Martin more? Or the other night in IT's, like, debut, we played IT more. Because, you know, LaMelo's making mistakes. And Varegos' responses are generic, but it's so true. It's like, I feel like the team responded better when we put X out here and we put IT or Cody Martin out here, the team looked like they were playing better because LaMelo turned the ball over at a high clip. Like you said, you give up big leads that way. If the Hornets are up 15 points and you turn the ball over three straight possessions, that's a quick six points possibly. Mm-hmm. And that lead dwindles down into single digits out of nowhere. All right. Or if it's three pointers in this league, you can be up by as many as five when you were just up by 15. All right. So like it makes perfect sense like what he's doing. And plus being James Rago, being from that San Antonio coaching tree, he knows how to settle in, settle in a superstar or mm-hmm. developing one now with uh, with Lamelo because Borrego might not have been there for the the Tim Duncan the prime years of Tim Duncan Tony Parker and Manu, but he has been there for the Kawhi Leonard experience of things and seeing how Pop handled him despite all the scrutiny that was around Kawhi before mm-hmm. he actually departed. So like, and Lamarcus Aldridge obviously. So like, he knows how to rattle in a superstar even if he wasn't the head coach. You're watching probably the greatest coach of all time, you know, doing his thing, like just doing his job. So 
you definitely picked up a thing or five right. from Greg Popovich. And the follow-up question to this, how is the team doing as well, like chemistry-wise? You know, like obviously you're not in the locker room, like you said, but how do you feel about, about the body language of the team in general, just how it looks on the court? I mean, I feel like they're, you know, they, you know, they like to play with each other. So that's not a bad thing. You see, they're up. It's not like they're, you know, I, I'd compare, you know, I compare the Lakers to them. Like when you see the Lakers uh, losing, they just look defeated. Right. When I was watching the, uh, the Celtics game, the Hornets Celtics game, you know, they were still trying to get back in it. They were running, even LaMelo, everybody was running. They just, you know, didn't have enough. They didn't do the right, you know, enough right things. But the team looks like they enjoy everybody. Everybody looks like they enjoy playing the game of basketball with each other. So that's a right. good thing. Body language isn't bad. It's just, you know, it, I feel like it's just more so them thinking the game too fast or, you know, them taking one approach that's not probably the best approach. And then they end up, you know, blowing that game or something like that. But in terms of, I, I, feel, I feel like, they're you know, it's a it, it's a group that likes to have fun in its shows. But right now they're not winning off this. So, of course, they're going to be frustrated. Yep, and I wholeheartedly agree. Like, you might as well have been there in the press conferences with me because, I mean, Kelly Oubre said it, Miles Bridges, LaMelo, Terry, all of them are pretty much emphasizing, like, this is a young group, and we love to have fun with each other on the court and off of it. So even though things aren't translating into wins, like what they're doing right now, and they're aware of that, they're still going to go back into the film sessions and figure out what's wrong, plus probably go hang out with each other after. What if that's grabbed a bite to eat or just – play 2K like as they like to do. Like we're all around the same age. The oldest person in the locker room right now is probably Montrez at like 29. And that's a fairly young team if he's the old head in the locker room. And IT, of course, who oh, yeah. they've all been raving about since he's been there. So team chemistry looks great. I don't think we really have too much to worry about in terms of like, you know, how they're going to be able to mend fences. They're, that's not a thing. But to kind of piggyback off of that, though, what direction is the team heading in? Like, like, like we mentioned, they struggled mightily with Gordon Hayward. I believe they've only won six games since he's been hurt, which is terrible. Yeah. But they have to, you know, how do you feel about like where the team's heading? Like, even though it's not translating into wins, not even like necessarily boiling it down to that, just in general. Because remember, the team made it to the play-in last year. Uh, they got stomped out by Sabonis and yeah. the Pacers last year. And now they're they're pretty much back in the same exact position. Yeah. So, like, go ahead. Like, do what you do with that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I think in terms of where they're heading this year, it might not – they might not finish the best. But I feel like now, this year, you're able to see who should be, you know, uh, the players that you build around. Uh, so they should take that into account. They have a few good guys that they could build around. So uh, maybe a moving piece or two, but, you know, I feel like they found their core that they need to build around. So I think the future is bright. You know, you have a young star in LaMelo. He made a, his, an all-star appearance very, very early in his career. Second year, yeah. Yeah, Miles Bridges is around that 20-point-a-game area, and he's a versatile defender. He can do a lot of different things. Uh, Terry Rozier, you don't know uh, if he's gonna finish as a Hornet, but he's a he's a good player to have. Whether he's excuse me, whether he's there for the long haul or if you want to explore options with him, because he's a he's a valuable piece anywhere he goes. So you know, and then you know they 
you know, they have a couple other young guys here and there. So I feel like in terms of direction, they they could only get better from here as long as they keep the core, keep, you know, don't keep turning, co- turning over coaches right. and, you know, have, you know, be, you know, be disciplined in their approach in terms of what, you know, what exactly they're going to do to get, de- uh, to, to get better. So I think, I think it's a, you know, you could only, it's only up from here. It's a young team. Nobody's expecting them to be this great team this year. So I feel like they're headed in the right direction. Although the, the, the backside of the year hasn't been the best. Yeah. Now again, I'm pretty much right there with you. I mean, starting the season off so strong as they did, I was kind of fearful that, where we're at right now would happen. Yeah, me too. Them going from the five seed, you know, in playoff contention, looking like they're going to make it, and then suddenly sliding all the way down to the 9-10 range. It's kind of what I felt like was going to happen because, you know, a lot of teams, they peak at a certain point. And the Hornets look like they peaked come like January. Mm-hmm. And then once COVID and then injuries hit and they just ravaged them, that was pretty much the mudslide and the avalanche just started kicking off and boom, and now we're here in the ninth spot. But, yeah, no, I agree. Like, in general, this season, like, to be honest, my personal opinion, I don't think they're even going to make the play-in at this point. Mm-hmm. They've been losing too many games for me to really think they're going to be able to form some some type of consistency where they can keep one of those nine or ten spots. Mm-hmm. Because if they lose two, three in a row, it's like – and Washington does good because Washington's on the outside looking in, but the Hawks are at the ten spot. I think they own the tiebreaker at the Hawks, but you have a worse record than them. Hawks slide in. If you lose five games in a row, Washington slides in. Right. And then you're just on the outside looking in completely. Being where being where they're at right now, like losing that game to the Nets was huge because the Nets took sole possession of the A spot. Now they have two goals to get into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So with this season, yeah, it's pretty much a wash for me. In my head, I don't think they're going to make it. That's not even me just doubting them, but or being a hater, I should say. But yeah, I don't have any hope. Yeah. <laughs> But for this next year, this offseason, like you said, you do have two legitimate like franchise cornerstones mm-hmm. with a 20-year-old all-star in LaMelo and one that was borderline in the right, Bridges. Right. You're on the cusp. And you did mention Terry Rozier. Great piece to explore trade options with or, you know, foreseeable future in the next three, four years. Who knows? And I like P.J. Washington, a versatile four to five man in this league. He works. I don't think he's a starter in this league, but he's a good piece for – them moving forward. Kelly Oubre, another good piece for them moving forward. Mm-hmm. Harold, if they decide to keep him, like pretty much their team is molded to just keep growing and keep developing. Yep. So like, that's why it's pretty much a perfect situation for a 20 year old kid. That's the face of the franchise. And they're going to do whatever it takes to build around him and make him happy. Mm-hmm. And to dive into the next segment, that is what should they do to make sure that LaMelo would stay or want to stay like, you know, after the rookie deals up and he actually has to sign somewhere or just build around him to keep him happy. I mean, yeah, I think it's really just a matter of building around him, not being stuck, you know, staying stagnant with everything. So just, you know, keep getting better guys around him. Um, yeah, just really, you know, keep uh, don't, you know, not too much turnover with coaching. I feel I feel like that's always a big thing with these young guys. So just, yeah, just really, it's really just a matter of keep building them I, I don't see any reason why he would like be unhappy right now because it's so early in his career. So he's still getting into the swing of things. Right. Um, So, yeah, I I think it's just, you know, uh, developing more talent, not staying, you know, not staying idle in terms of, uh, you know, where uh, where they're at. And just, yeah, just keep keep uh, building on top of that talent. 
Yeah, I'm again pretty much in agree. I'm not even going to echo what you just said. That's it's spot on. It's like the center that we that we included. Mm-hmm. They need to go get that in the offseason. Yep. They need to continue to develop uh, a guy that we failed to mention. It was James Booknight, yep. who's been kind of disgruntled, it looks like, in his rookie year. So build, build, build. But again, you mentioned development, player development. What would you rate the maturation process and the development of the players in general that have been there? So obviously, LaMelo year two, all-star. Miles Bridges year four, I believe, turned down a $60 million contract to make more money and bet on himself this season. Looking pretty good to get mm-hmm. that money. Mm-hmm. So how would you rate their development? Like, let's say from an A-plus to an F-plus type of scale, like the Hornets player development core in general, how they doing? Go. Well, the core, I feel, I feel like uh, the core would, I say, a B-plus, A-minus. Um, I mean, and and the, the, the two players that should have been highly emphasized in terms of that uh, development are do are, you know, either exceeding expectations or, you know, right where people thought they would be. Like, you know, Miles Bridges, I bet you people have written him off the last few years, but look at him now. He's definitely exceeded expectations. Mm-hmm. And even LaMelo, he's uh, he's an all-star in how many years? Like, he's been Two in the years. league a few years. So yeah. that's, you know, that's excellent. So, I mean, you know, B, B plus, A minus, they could uh, – some. I feel like some of the other guys could be further along. Uh, I feel like they do need to, like, you know, like such as, like, uh, Nick Richards. Mm. I feel like, you know, he he could be a little further along. They could probably, you know, uh, play him more and develop him some more. P.J. Washington, he's, you know, a good player, but I feel he could be, you know, a little better where he's at now. But, yeah, I mean, they're, you know, they they have a, they have some young guys that are getting better every season. So, yeah. they're not staying where they're at. So, I, I think I, – I'll say, I say an A-. minus. Okay. Yeah, no, nah, I think I think I was sticking at a B plus. B plus. Really, really, because it's two players that we have seen growing in like LaMelo looks like he has the potential to be a generational type of talent. Mm-hmm. So like I don't know how much real credit I can give them, but I will give James Borrego the credit for him looking more settled, despite yeah. the stuff that we discussed earlier. His first season was even worse. That's why he wasn't starting for the first, you know, 20 so or games of the season. And Devontae Graham was playing over him. So I do credit the coaching staff and player development for having him look more reeled in and like, you know, it's only year two and playing in Australia and playing in the NBA, big difference. So I I give him a B plus for that much. But, and then, like you said, the other guys, like excluding LaMelo and Miles, PJ's improved. Yes, but need to see more. Nick Richards doesn't play enough. So I can't really further evaluate him, but if he was playing well enough in training camp, Mason Plumlee probably would have been an afterthought mm-hmm. and they wouldn't have to sign him. Yep. So that's where my thought process is. But the guys, the three core guys that I'm thinking of is Bridges, Washington and Ball. Those three look good as a whole. So that's where the B plus gave from. That's why I won't put them over to hump for an eight minus. But if they do say James Booknight comes out, because again, he's looked pretty disgruntled this year. Kai Jones, another interesting piece that they have that could be an athletic feature at the center position mm-hmm. for them if they decide to use them. Because in the Greensboro Swarm, I've been seeing him do some crazy highlight plays where he looks like he should be should be on the team and should be playing. He's an active body that blocks shots, so they've been doing a good job too, sending players back and forth to the Swarm, calling up for the game time like they have done with Kai Jones a few times and JT Thor. Mm-hmm. So they have a lot of good, interesting young pieces. Maybe by the summertime, I'll feel a little bit differently, and I I can't knock them up to that A minus. Yeah, but 
I'm a I'm a stick at that that B plus yeah, range. B plus for Angie. I'm not mad at that. And lastly, to close out the show, do they gel or are they just trying to keep a roster spot? And I'll, I'll just start here because yes, they gel. Like like we mentioned earlier, you probably gonna agree with me too. Like everybody's hangs out before practice, after practice. They love playing with each other in game. They love to feed off of each other's energy. And plus, at a young age, too, you sometimes see players get self-absorbed into their own stats. Like, we've seen Kelly Oubre have a couple 40-point games this year. And young players, nah, it's all about me. I need to get my numbers. You know, you see that sometimes. Lamelo Ball is probably the most selfless superstar that we have, especially, of course, on the Hornets. He's the point guard. He'd rather pass to see if his guys succeed. But Miles Bridges taking a step up as a playmaker is feeding Kelly Oubre the ball. P.J. Washington, same thing. Terry Rozier, score-first-minded point guard, feeding the hot man. You know, just being being a smart basketball player. Like, you know, it's just it's common knowledge as being in the NBA that this, this storybook that you have, you're going to have a lot of very talented teammates. Mm-hmm. So seeing that, you know, all these guys are just – they swallow their pride. There's no ego trip. They want to see the other guys eat as long as they get the W. And that's all that matters. But what's your take? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree. This, those guys, they're definitely unselfish players. And 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 the best thing about it is that they're, they're young. So it's not like they're trying to, oh, I got to go for 40 every night. Oh, I got to get my 15 assists in or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's it's whatever whatever helps them win. So those young guys, they're about winning. That's that's very refreshing to see. They're not, there's, it doesn't look like there's any uh, ego tripping going on or anything like that. They're about the W, and that's a reflection on the coach as well. So, you know, it's – yeah, they 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 definitely gel. It's, these aren't just guys looking for – and some of these guys can. They have the right yeah. to look for the look for that next big payday. Or, for sure. But they're invested. So, you know, that's definitely – you know, like I said, it's definitely refreshing to see. For sure. No, I definitely agree. I mean, the whole thing that, too, that I like, despite all the blunders that they do make in the game, despite how bewildered that they look during the game sometimes, it's like yeah. – down we're down by 30 <laughs> like somehow like coach Borrego's favorite words used in press conferences we stay resilient and like despite them losing games like against Boston they're getting blown out they cut that down to like a 14 point loss mm-hmm. Brooklyn they cut that down to a 10 point loss after in both of those games they were down by 25 plus points so like resiliency really is the word of the year for the Hornets even if it hasn't translated into wins all the way so that's that's my parting shot. Plus, I just want to give a major shout out to Mitch Kupchak because yeah. he's done a phenomenal job putting this team together, despite what the record says. Remember, it's only year two of Lamelo Ball and probably about year four for James Borrego. And as long as you keep that coaching system in place, look at look what happened for Coach Jaeger in Memphis. You know, for a couple of years you get John Moran, you get Jaron Jackson, two building blocks, boom. Now they're top five a dark horse to win the list. You know, like you, you can't always land in a very fortunate situation. Sometimes you gotta build it up. We all can't be Steve Kirk. That's just reality. Thanks guys for listening. Jerry D, Nick Pat out. Appreciate y'all. Tune in next week.